Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 144. I'm Kaylin. Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. <laughs> do, 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 Ryan, it's newsflash. Oh, I thought you were going to give us a little intro. Sorry. Um, uh, in terrible, terrible, terrible news. <laughs> Wait, um, all right. Wait, and, all right. Fine. We're going to do this right. On this week's episode, we're going to go through our news, then the issues, and then we're going to wrap up our Mutant Madness Bracket Challenge with our final championship bracket. It's so exciting. We've got a fun bonus announcement at the end. Ryan. Take away the news. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, thank you for that, uh, that opening right there. Um, uh, in some serious news, actually, Joel Schumacher has passed away mm-hmm. um, actually today, which is very, um, when we're filming this, which is really sad. Um, uh, I, I just kind of want to go around the room and see what you guys sort of thought about this and also what were maybe your, some of your inspirations growing up. Cause I, I know there's a, he did a lot of stuff. So I just kind of wanted to pick your guys' brain. Well, um, I think I, people really kind of know him from the latter two nineties, Batman movies, Batman forever and Batman and Robin. Batman forever is actually not a bad movie. Batman and Robin is not great, but he put his own stamp on it. But the movie I, I like him most for was lost boys. Yeah. Uh, the vampire movie from the late eighties. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Great it movie. was super, super influential. Um, I mean, I think Joss Whedon even said that, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer could not have been made if not for Lost Boys. Uh, it kicked off the whole teen vampire craze, um, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, think- I know I know the, the whole Batman and Robin movie is sort of looked upon sort of as maybe not the best in superhero um, series, but I think it if you look back on what uh, these sort of like milestones that we've had through like these years, especially these golden age of like great superhero movies, uh, I, I think he really influenced a lot. And if you go back and watch Batman and Robin, it is pretty darn good or entertaining. Let's just yeah. say entertaining you, because it's, it holds up. It's really good. You couldn't well, have asked for better cheese. Sorry. I was just jumping oh, yeah. on the, the Batman and Robin. Cheese. There's, there's a kind of uh, visual style to them that a lot of people have more recently pointed out, you know, Tim Burton's Batman has, that it, it in a certain sense, looks a little bit more like the comics of a certain time. Mm-hmm. I think an article I really liked was that what he was trying to do was bring back camp to the Batman series, but <laughs> modernize. And I think it fails in the same way that, like, The Happening was supposed to, by um, M. Night Shyamalan was supposed to be a B, like a B-level horror movie, but a kind of a modern version of it. And it wasn't pitched very well to audiences to know what to expect. It was pitched like a real horror movie. And I think the same is true for Batman, that a lot of people were expecting this kind of crazy action movie, not expecting this super gay director to make it as glam and John Waters as possible. <laughs> so there many nipples. There was also definitely something dumb AF as like some of his other like phone booth. Like I don't know, that was such oh, a ridiculous yeah. movie. Um, a lot of his stuff really, I think, spoke both the pros and cons of like 
90s Hollywood movie, giant like set, budget, what have you, um, particular to the Batman uh, movies. But yeah, no, I, I think in general, like probably not what we wanted at the time and probably not what we ever want to see again. But like, there's a reason why certain movies become cold classics is because they have a particular style edge, good or bad, that people become endeared to. And I think that's certainly um, what, what he pulled off from my experience. I mean, Lost Boys 2 is another huge, huge, huge cult uh, hit amongst horror populations as well as 80s fans. So you're, you know, he's obviously had a vision and a voice uh, and told stories that whether or not people <laughs> love them at the time, certainly they stuck with them and they continue to talk about them uh, today. Yeah. Um, in other news, uh, we recently found out, so Warren Ellis has been in the news of recent uh, with current, <laughs> some allegations against him, which have been really terrible. Um, and I, I think we all sort of feel it within the creative and like writing community of if Warren Ellis is one of the <laughs> Uh, accused, we, we feel not great about it. Um, DC has decided to pull um, their death metal titles um, in maybe more broad strokes, but what do you guys sort of think about this? Well, so um, I'll say as like probably uh, for the five of us, I'm probably Warren Ellis's biggest fanboy. Um, the allegations, um, I think they're true. Um, and um, I am sort of, you know, crestfallen and it's almost like, you know, never like, you know, meet your heroes. Not that I ever met him, but um, he he admitted to his, I will give him credit for this, that uh, he, you know, inadvertently used his power to take advantage of younger women. Um, and it's just, it's really sad. It's super sad that he did this. It's, it's sad that he's, you know, a, you know, in his own way, a toxic male. Um, he uh, also discontinued his, his e-newsletter, which I subscribe to, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to his uh, career moving forward. Um, uh, just to clarify, uh, they, they, uh, DC's not going to publish his death metal story. Right. So it's not that they're not publishing death metal. The, yeah. the series is going on. It's just his one story that he did. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's just awful. I was, you know, I, you know, um, like what a fucking monster for doing this, you know, like he's joining people like Brian Wood and other toxic men. And I just think we need to root out, you know, uh, folks who take advantage of women and, uh, uh, you know, impressionable men, um, you know, um, as they do it, it's just, uh, it, I can't even find the words and I'm so upset about it. It does seem like, uh, obviously following the events or at least with the events coming to light, everyone's taken the right, as the right attempt at actions. And so what I mean by that is that obviously it was great for, um, it was, who was the, the woman that originally posted the tweet? It was Katie, I can't remember her last name. But like there was, there's a few folks that announced like their, their tweet about it. And then obviously they came to light and brought that up. They were supported by that. B, Warren uh, like obviously did a more specific apology as opposed to a just sort of like i'm sorry if this is the way you felt it was like oh wait my actions have consequences my you know similar to i think the guy who played ralph dibney sort of stepping back from the flash and being very uh, uh, sm i mean smart and also obviously a human being about the fact that someone felt uh impacted by by actions taken by the individual and, and obviously owning those actions and then i think it was also intelligent of 
FTC to obviously flip that story. So, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's all, it's a matter of what happens next, but I think everybody is, this is a good example of how these things should come up if, and those things shouldn't happen at all, but if the things do come up, it's the right actions, I think communications and, and uh, support even, because I think a lot of the people that had brought up some of their interactions and even produced emails and content related to the interactions were, you know, probably not supported by shitheads, but certainly I think there was a more of a groundswell movement to help people be honest about what's going on and, and obviously help find change in the future. Yeah, I, um, I think DC made the right call in just pulling the whole series. It just makes sense. Um, you know what, and, what's supposed to happen with uh, Castlevania? No idea. No, no news as of I was looking out because obviously as we're all big fans of Castlevania. I, I, nothing's been said as of yet. Um, I mean, as far as I know, season three has been written. Season four was in the middle of writing production. So who knows if they use that or what happens with it? I know. Maybe another showrunner. I, I will say as a, an aside, I did find it funny that it was like, the publisher did not provide a reason for the removal of the story, which was to be the origin of the alternate universe Batman who lived in a robotic T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly the storyline that I would have thought uh, would have been involved in death metal or obviously. Well, up. spoilers ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, with, with that in mind, uh, continuing on with DC sort of in mind, Michael Keaton is in talks to be in the Flash. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. This is, what? this might be stupid, but because I didn't realize it until I more thoroughly read the article, but this should be labeled. All right. This is probably stupid. It okay, is. So actually, we're completely I, in rumor territory. I actually think this is actually really smart. So. New segment. This okay. might be clever, but <laughs> yeah. So sorry, a lot sorry of sources have actually pointed to that this might actually be truthful. Um, but with that in mind, who the fuck knows? Because DC's sort of all over the place. What do you guys think of him returning? In a here's why. Here's why I doubt it. Uh, Michael Keaton returning as Batman in Flashpoint. The justification is. This movie that has been written and rewritten and hacked apart in so many different ways by Ezra Miller in particular um, has had so many production stalls that the way that they want to structure the movie is that it ties in all of the DCU movies together, every single one. And that's kind of the way they would bring in Michael Keaton. So I... I just yeah, I yeah, someone yeah. just said that having heard the plot. Have you read Flashpoint or seen the movie, Brent, the animated movie? Yes. Okay, so you know that there is a a different version of Batman in in that in the Flashpoint story. It's actually Thomas Wayne, not Bruce Wayne. Bruce yeah. Wayne dies in that universe, and so whether uh, Michael Keaton is playing Bruce Wayne or whatever, I like the idea of him playing kind of an older, more grizzled Batman. And he's got the gravitas to be able to do it. And then the story um, also says that he's going to be more of like a, a Nick Fury type character in the DC universe if they, if they actually pull it off. Like he would go from movie to movie, universe to universe, tying stuff together. Uh, I've said before that I don't think that the like, I think DC sh would do a, a better job of like doing stuff that's standalone. 
But I like this idea of you've got this one sort of uh, unifying character uh, that can transcend genre and even transcend movie types uh, to be through the movie. And like having Michael Keaton, who's a phenomenal actor, playing, you know, one of the, the roles he's most famous for to do it, I, I think it's kind of cool. I hope it's true. I don't hate the idea. I'm just really doubtful of it. I think it's yeah. the thing of like, it would be a cameo he would have or something like that because there is no degree to which I think that uh, DC won't fuck up any of its movies. Well, I'm sure it'll fuck it up, but yeah. I, I'm excited for this one part of it. And I mean, again, to the Nick Fury comparison, Nick Fury was a cameo in the first Iron Man and then he was a cameo uh, again in uh, a slightly... Not quite a cameo, but like more of a more of a supporting role in Iron Man Two, and I don't believe he was an Incredible Hulk. I think it was just Tony Stark that was in that one. He was not in that. Yeah. It's what what they're still even though they say they're not, they're still trying to connect this DC universe all together. They've done it with their crossovers and their TV shows. <clears throat> I just don't think it's going to happen. So stop it. Just stop it. Stop. Can you stop? Please stop. Like, I, I, I don't want, let them breathe for a little bit. Let them have their own little weird universes and then maybe combine them later. I don't know if it's going to work. Ryan, well, Ryan, Ryan. What, how would you feel if, like, part of the movie was them jumping from universe to universe and then they jumped into the 90s animated Batman series and actually had that as a part of, they really embraced the multiverse a la uh, spider, the spider into the Spider-Verse. Okay, that would be fun, yes. Yeah, I do like that. I mean, the only time that it would be actually good if they jumped into MCU and then maybe crossed over for them. With, <laughs> they jumped into the MCU and they're like, whoop, whoop, sorry, sorry, uh, wrong, wrong guys. <laughs> Kept moving. I don't know, it, 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 it's worrisome. Caitlin, what were you gonna say? Doesn't matter, keep going. Oh. In other terrible rumor news, um, there is a rumor floating around right now that Alpha Flight may be coming to the MCU. Uh, what, how would you want to see Alpha Flight, Alpha Flight used, and what, what, what would you do in terms of the storyline for them? I was thinking that they would probably be the current incantation which is more of like the space team right because like obviously you're not going to be like you mean incarnation in yeah <laughs> and no i'm they're casting a spell um no yeah the the, the current version which is more of the space team because obviously it fits within the overall mcu idea of obviously more space cosmic focus because i i do think the idea of like a canadian x-men just starting up would be hilarious but i can't imagine that's fitting with their uh, with Kevin Feige's vision of where this all could go for uh, Phase 4 and above. Clark, what do you think? How should they introduce Alpha Flight? And what what would the role be? No. Okay, you're just waving now. I don't know. It's um, I, I think if they introduce it in relation to Wolverine, I think that would be very beneficial. Mm, I could see but that. I actually was that, thinking it would be better... I, I'm, I'm in agreement with uh, Adam and his incantation idea. Mm. Uh, I think it should be um, uh, linked to Captain Marvel. Mm. Um, as Because like she's in, in the comics right now. Um, she, you know, was linked with that. And maybe you can bring an agent brand that way. And it's almost like you, saw, you almost saw it 
happening at the end of uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, where you had, you know, Tony Stark, uh, excuse me, Nick Fury up in space with uh, with the, the good Skrulls. Uh, and that's almost like the basis, I think, could be for like a, either a sword or an alpha flight. I know it would never happen, but, you know, as mutants, it would be kind of fun if they showed up as people with superpowers and then uh, never explained that they're mutants. Uh, that was a thing you learned later about them. They just treated it like it was normal. Yeah, I like that actually, yeah. Oh yeah, they, they just happen to be mutants. It, it yeah. I, also, it's a diverse group that would be nice to see, and you would have North Star there as being the sort of first out, like superhero, which would be awesome. Because he's gonna be gay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't, and with with anyone else have anything think about rumors? They're, they're fertile ground for people to like. Like, there's certainly a lot of opportunity to improve upon, as far as characters go and story goes. No one knows about Alpha Flight, as far as larger audiences but to me they seem like a thing you would introduce much much later as like a weird guardians of the galaxy type story yeah totally yeah and with that um adam do you want to take away comics yeah so for comics this week we read uh thor number five and then also empire number zero so empire number zero being the kickoff for uh the avengers um side of things so why don't we start with uh Empire, since I think that's obviously probably top of most uh, readers or listeners' minds. Um, does anyone want to give a quick recap? Can I try? Sure, Brent. Because I feel like there is so much, it's like reading a Tolkien novel, that there's so much lore here and history that I do not know. All right, so... <laughs> The Kroll and the Scree, I know that they've been fighting for a billion years, but there's also like- <laughs> Did you just call them the Kroll and the Scree? Yeah, 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 I'll allow it, I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was repeating myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the sound a Kroll makes is a Scree. Uh, then there's the Chotlins, what are they called? The Chotlins. The Chotlins. <laughs> Okay, somebody else take over. No, let him try. No, all right, so there's, there's another group, but they're all fighting with each other, right? Yeah. And then the Avengers get an important summon to go to the blue side of the moon, which is now the green side of the moon, formerly the dark side of the moon. And uh, while they meet um, someone named Sequoia, but among her fr his friends, it's Koi. And uh, there's a huge coalition of Skrull uh, <laughs> and Kree who have united that are going to um, take over the universe. And everyone's like, we're so shocked that everyone, they're gonna take over. We had planned for war, no one planned for peace. I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, pitch on the idea that like you always think about especially more conquering superpowers at odds with each other because they want to be the best as opposed to a, and obviously um, Hulkling presents that combination that would actually allow people to rally behind them. So I, when I read that, I mean, obviously it's a little heavy handed, but I thought it was a interesting take that you wouldn't certainly have thought about. And I don't know, Kaylin, you probably have, or Clark, 
or even Ryan have the most knowledge of the history. Like, I don't necessarily know if there was ever an opportunity for that to happen in the past. Was there? It is the, uh, it is the, probably the most unique spin for empire. Um, just because, I mean, Marvel's done the sort of, you know, cosmic empires coming for earth, uh, stories so many times, mm -hmm. um, that even when empire was first announced, um, um, I, uh, um, um, I, you know, I just felt like, well, I've already seen this before. I've, I've, you know, I, I haven't, um, uh, I haven't, um, I, I'm just not super interested in, in seeing this again, but I think this little prelude was really well written. And I think the art helped too. Pepe Larraz, if you guys remember, drew a lot of the House of X issues, uh, back last year. And so just, yeah. it's just, it looked gorgeous. It caught my interest, even though I haven't really been super interested in this version of the Avengers. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I, was, I was sort of excited for Swordsman to have a role in something in years. That was kind of nice. Especially he feels like he's going to lean into a lot more of the event itself. Um, I like when the old school Avengers actually come back and do some stuff. They're like... Uh, I did like Tony's where Tony's like, uh, oh, I, Ghost Rider's asking a lot of questions. You had to be there. I just completely forget <laughs> there for the time the person uh, faced, wanted to be an Avenger and betrayed us. I'm excited for this event, but it does look like we'll reveal a team that they're going to fight at the end of each issue, just so you know what's happening next issue, which I'm like, I do. it's annoying in events that that happens. I mean, I'm a, a little bit hopeful because the even though it was a bit heavy-handed, I do think uh, the exploration of faith in this kind of universe would be an interesting one. You know, Tony Stark is kind of worried about how he feels kind of very connected to this green side of the moon. And I thought maybe it could be from pheromones, maybe it could be from whatever, but that he does feel something more than you know kind of the flat description you might get from his character headline he's a technician he does stuff that's practical he doesn't believe in gods he assumes that they have weather machines i hope that they play that that theme more out over the rest of the series I'm yeah excited. I, I didn't yeah i, I it was a nice kickstart but i certainly and maybe it's just be it was so funny that as i was reading it i was like because we obviously read all the x titles we don't really dabble that much in avengers we tried to and hated it and i was like maybe that there's a good reason for that i just found myself very like blasé about the whole thing for some reason a lot of the i love a lot of these characters i think in the mcu but maybe it's because i've spent so much time with that version of the character that i find it feels like it's almost weird now that I think about it. It's like a reverse, you know, like if you, as thinking about Rick and Morty, we watch the show and then we like read the Vindicators cartoon, uh, the comic, and the comic is not good. And we still haven't talked about it in like three years. But I no, think no, no, we're going to talk about it next week. <laughs> but I think about it for The Simpsons and Futurama and almost at a point where I was never a big fan of Avengers comics over the years. And there wasn't that like X-Men version cartoon uh, to really get the digest of all of the different plot lines for these characters. So when I'm reading these comics, it almost feels like a bad version of the movies. Uh, and I, and it's obviously that's just my own personal like connection with it. Cause I don't think the writing was actually bad, but I'm also like, 
a little bit off on how this is all going to go and whether or not I'll care. I enjoyed uh, Reign of Kings. <laughs> is that what you read? The, yeah, I yeah, don't know War, had yeah. that many question marks. War of Kings. War of Kings, yeah. But I just no, wasn't. Is that the one? Reign of, don't worry. <laughs> War no. of the Realms? The War of the Realms. There's too many <laughs> yeah. reigns and wars. Um, I just felt a little bit uh, disconnected, but that's because we don't live with these characters every week. So that was kind of yeah. With that, anything else about Empire? I've got nothing. I got nothing. So we did re also review Thor number five. Um, Kaylin, would you like to give us uh, your thoughts or maybe a little quick little recap on it? I think I really wish I had read reread issues one through four because it'd been <laughs> so long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you've clearly, you've still got Thor being Galactus's herald um, in uh, an effort to thwart the Black Winter. Um, you clearly see, you know, uh, Sif and Beta Ray Bill lamenting about Thor's current status. And then um, you see the Black Winter manifest in like a humanoid form at the end of the, uh, of the issue. And he looks a lot like Thor, he looks like Dark Thor. Um, and uh, you find out that he is from, you know, we knew that like the Black Winter was from the previous universe that Galactus is from. Remember Galactus is the last survivor of his universe and he, you know, is sort of a holdover from that. And you find out that Galactus was uh, the Black Winter's herald. And that's sort of the cliffhanger there. Um, you know, I, I really like Donny Cates, obviously. I, I think he writes a good Thor. Um, I just need to get back to the groove of the series because I think the three to four month uh, gap between issues four and five um, just kind of like um, blunted my interest a little bit. Totally, yeah. It was, it was, that recap was quite the thing to go through before. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, with that in mind, the idea of Galactus being a herald before him is just, I think that's great storytelling. It shows like a middle manager could mm -hmm. become director at any point <laughs> and well, more well known. I think that's, it's showing a good success story. Um, also, just any time they can depower some sort of giant god, I'm kind of in favor. I know a lot of people don't like that, but I, I like it just to humanize them a little bit more. I think that uh, I, I remember the prior issues pretty vividly. I liked them a lot. And um, I think I had a true kind of shock fan moment at hearing Galactus was a herald. Uh, what a in, what a two word or three word. He's my herald. My herald was the last line. I need a herald. That was a great. Like, <laughs> I just absolutely adored that. I also liked that part of um, Galactus's motivation is to prevent Thor from listening to this kind of uh, you know mm -hmm. universe force. His motivation is corrupted, but when Thor is, um, his mind is subsumed into it, he sees um, Gore, he sees his brother Loki, he sees all these people that he's fought previously, and they are kind of supposed to be the ones who destroy him. You know that it's, it's fake and fictional, but it's still done in a way to make that character feel vulnerable, and so I felt like it was very deserved. 
Yeah, I'm. I when I I saw you reacting to chime in, Brent. I was like, I swear to God, if he doesn't like the fact that Galactus is also like a person, I'd be I'd lose my shit because I thought that was Adam. so cool. Adam, Adam, I don't like it. I love. It. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Sign me up. Very excited for the the last issue. Um. And overall, like. Continually still impressed. I think it's a fun series. This is the part, like, that's what I think I miss in the, what I'm already know I'm going to miss in the Empire kind of run uh, is like, it's just going to be a boombastic event where I don't feel like I've grown attached to characters to have a yeah. boombastic event. They're probably going to kill off one or two and then the new status quo for a little bit that'll get undone in at least two years. And don't forget a random toss in X-Men uh, comic for no reason, or a few of them. Thank you. I'm going to guess the ones that are on the moon will be involved. <laughs> is it, um, is it I time? Think we're, I think is we're ready. time again? Done, 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 done. Is it time for our final Mutant Madness Bracket Challenge Championship Round? I don't have any more title. We have <laughs> a very, very long end of a long ass road. How We've many got weeks two... did we spend on this? How many weeks? I can tell you, we started on that April. That is a lot of weeks. We started on April 23rd. Never forget. Yeah. So two God. months, eight, eight weeks. Yeah. Oh my God, just the normal amount of time that March Madness lasts. <laughs> <laughs> so the teams that are going up are all new, all different X Factor. No, sorry, all new, all different. Uh, written by Chris Claremont and the X Factor Investigations. Um, you know, written we're, by Peter David. Peter David. Written by Peter David. Sorry. Uh, you know, we've got uh, you know the potential for people to win. I am not going to announce the rankings yet. I will announce the winners at the very end. But <gasps> oh. so we have a very special announcement. Um, should I save it for the end or should I just say it now? I'll we don't know it. what the announcement is. <laughs> I know. But yeah. So um, not only will the first place get a $50 Amazon gift card, but Hi. to thank members for participating and listening to us during the process, the second and third place will each get a $25 gift card. Obviously, it doesn't mean much, but maybe we'll help you buy a garden hose or a broom or a wig that's very cheap for Halloween. Mm. All right. So who can recap what happens in All New, All Different and X Factor Investigations? I feel like I want to do, yeah. Go, go, Adam. No, I was just going to say, I want to hear uh, you and Ryan pick one and battle it out. Um, I'm so torn. Oh, we should also say, yeah. just for the viewers right now, um, Clark was having some internet stuff, and so he is um, uh, no longer on the podcast right now, but we do know his vote, and I assume he has written it on a small little note, folded it three times, and passed it to Brent. So I hope you yes. got that. <laughs> okay. Perfect. He, he, actually, he actually gave it to me. He folded a note and then put it, tied it to a pigeon. And then <laughs> pigeon three times. I can't believe he killed that pigeon right in front of you, then just handed you the pigeon. It's it's a weird thing, but um, Clark is Clark. Um, with that in mind, so it'll be the four of us going through this. 
Um, I'm very torn. So I would like someone to bring me a series of questions to help me. All right. Well, maybe Kaylin, can you just go ahead? <laughs> what you said you would do, and then Adam and Brian didn't listen. Can you just tell us about these teams? Yep. So all new, all different uh, X-Men is, again, it's the uh, series that started with Giant Size X-Men number one in the mid-70s. Uh, lasted approximately 100 issues, and it brought us some of the most iconic X-Men storylines, including the Dark Phoenix saga and Days of Future Past. The team included um, Cyclops, Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, to be joined uh, later on by Kitty Pride, and then towards the tail end of this era, Rogue. Uh, it is probably one of the most iconic X-Men teams ever uh, and definitely has um, uh, the storylines that it produced uh, have been mined for years by other mediums, including movies and cartoons and TV shows. And then Peter David's uh, X-Factor Investigations is a very uh, unique and kooky title. It was uh, done in the wake of Decimation. Um, after uh, Marvel decided to uh, uh, dwindle uh, the mutants down to only 198. And so X-Factor, led by Jamie Madrox, and featuring M, Siren, Richter, uh, Strong Guy, Wolvesbane, and joined by others, uh, including um, Shatterstar. Um, uh, they are a detective agency in uh, what was known as Mutant Town in New York, um, and it is a very like almost like noir title set within the Marvel universe. Um, there's a reason why both of these titles are up against each other, uh, that they've made it to the top two. Um, they both really kind of explore the idea of these teams as families. Um, they both had very lengthy runs uh, and they were both written by one writer for their, their entirety. Um, I think there was a strong singular vision that drove them and um you know it, to ryan's point i think this is going to be a really tough vote i'm not even sure i'm going to vote until um we hear a little bit more about about uh, everything so only we had some more so questions. maybe i can start with a uh, question and feel free to talk about some of the teams that haven't made it but one thing i've noticed as a theme is you know trying to talk about events versus collections of people and there are some teams that we really liked who uh, they had great dynamics, it was good writing, and yet the story just kind of fell apart, either from, um, from the fact that there were just not enough people buying it, or maybe the production company was trying to move in a different direction. I'm curious, do you guys think that for an X team to be really great, that it's gotta be the events that shape the team better than any writing feature? Is it like, can you put together great teams um, or do they have to have compelling, super compelling circumstances separate from them? Because the way I see X Factor Investigations, it is a huge event that happened before and they're all living in the wake of it. But with all new, all different, they are creating some of the events that make uh, the emotional responses we feel so valid. I look at it a little bit different way too. Um, I see um, X Factor Investigations fine tuning uh, a blueprint that already existed of like how you make 
um, a, a collection of individuals, whether they're an official team or not, and how they interact with each other. I see all new, all different as writing the rule book uh, because it didn't really exist before then. Um, and that's why some of it seems clunky. Uh, some of it seems like it doesn't work. Uh, but you had somebody being a pioneer. Claremont was a pioneer in the way he did this. And Peter David, I think, took that and perf uh, not quite perfected it, but uh, made it a very, very compelling, however long series it was. Um, so it's really hard. It's like, do you, do you give credit to the pioneers or do you give credit to the people that perfected what already existed? Yeah, I mean, what I mean, well, well, well phrased. We're looking at a modern day take, and then what in, innovated what it was as a whole. So it, it's tough to judge. I, I think so. So many of these X Men teams are formed because uh, a team of characters that the writer has put together, put together, and some sort of premise. Some of the premises are good, and they sort of fuel the entire story. I think these are two things that started out as a premise, but they became something more at the end of the day. And I think character interaction is so strong in both of these that have lasted for so many years. And we really have seen these characters change. Uh, I, I, I think with that in mind, in terms of, uh, I, I take it as one of the best runs that you need to, to be the best run, you have to have characters change. And that change for for a little bit, it has to be consistent of what that character looks at like now. So if you're looking at the original all new, all different X-Men, they, uh, they have changed a lot since their uh, initial iteration, but they are still shadows of who they were a little bit. I think in uh, X-Factor, they, they started out as very different people from when they ended. And I really appreciated their arcs. And sure, uh, some of it has been retconned, but we have some gems in there that are still the standard of what these characters are like now. So like, for example, Longshot and Shatterstar, when people write them now, that's how they are written by Peter David's interpretation of this. Um, so so is that I, really an impact question then? Because while we yeah. look at all, all different as being incredibly impactful. It came earlier on uh, relative to X Factor. It has an, it influenced so many uh, fans of comics that we're you know we've gotten so many different stories that come from all new all different. But that maybe in the comics X Factor made a bigger mark with how you would see the characters. Like I don't know. I, there that people. I don't know if, oh, sorry, Kayla. I don't know if I completely agree with that assessment. I do think there is some validity to what Ryan said of like certain characters, um, because of the way that they were characterized in X Factor, and now that's how they are moving forward. But that happened with all new, all different too. Uh, I mean, the you know the idea of you know, Wolverine going from this like angry loner into becoming the backbone of the team, yeah. you know, Storm starting off as like just a little bit sort of uh, aloof, uh, you know, individual becoming like the heart and soul and leader, you know, Kitty Pride going through her evolution, Nightcrawler going through his evolution. 
I mean, if you're talking, if you're just judging impact, there's no contest. There's just no contest. I, I think, you know, there's the, 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 the various other um, sort of uh, categories that we had. We had impact, we had writing quality, we had art, uh, we had, you know, team dynamics, all that stuff, you know, I think. And queerness. Queerness. And queerness. And I mean, you know, X Factor is definitely more queer because they actually did some stuff that was more explicit because they could in the Ooh. 2000s versus the 1980s. <laughs> True. I mean, well, I mean, every little boy growing up was Storm, let's be honest, though. So that's some added queerness right there. Who did not play sure. a Storm as when you played the X Men, like everyone did? Sure. Or so, Dazzler. Or Dazzler, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Maybe to help try and separate the two. Um, I think the biggest plot point from X Factor, maybe I'm wrong, is the is the Jamie Madrox absorption moment. Is that is there one that stands out higher? Or the question is basically, what's the biggest plot point in each? And how do they kind of compare against each other for you know the viewers i'd probably say that's the most shocking bombastic one except maybe even though this isn't really a plot point but like the shatter star richter stuff mm -hmm. i mean looking looking at it from a queer perspective and then maybe thunderbird was the biggest thing and all new all different because that not, basically was not the, dark phoenix <laughs> oh fuck you're right <laughs> that's a good that's a great um uh but a little thing called. yeah well i mean let's just talk about deaths in general it's about like these main characters actually dying well and the, a lot of i mean particularly for all new all different that most of those deaths were the first time that they sometimes occurred right like it's or like i was death as prevalent of a feature in comic of X-Men comics in particular before those. No, no absolutely not. I Especially mean, not when Phoenix first emerged. That was huge. Yeah. Hence why yeah, but... so many. And Thunderbird's then... one of those few characters that they've actually kept dead. Right. Like they have not brought him back in any kind of meaningful way. Well, and in particular too, is X-Factor Investigations the first comic series to have you reabsorb your offspring after it's been born. <laughs> Look, First I mean, as a moment, I like that more. <laughs> it's unfair because it there's more storytelling experience uh, uh, to pull from. But like, it is a one of my favorite story devices, which is someone's got something special as an ability. And there is a uncomfortable implication of that power the the reason why i think it is really good too is because it's i don't think it would require you to know multiple man <laughs> for that <laughs> i'm just gonna call it out we're on zoom and kaylin literally just gave us a full underwear crotch shot as he quickly went to go do something while what we is were that, why is are those it not denim underwear contact um, hey, but you want to cross your legs in front of us? <laughs> but I, I was, already am. Um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I was gonna say that I just it it is. Um, I I think it's that sort of twist or like that. I think you're exactly right, Brent. Is like how do you use people's powers in a realistic and pragmatic way? 
And I don't think it requires, and the reason why I think X Factor Investigations is so strong is it doesn't really require you to have a plethora of lore to understand why these moments are impactful. Um, and so I think like a lot of what happens inside of X Factor's investigation is impactful because of the run itself. And then I think it hits on what you were talking about, Ryan, which is it also does have long lasting implications or repercussions of characters in the uh, Marvel universe. Um, I, so okay, well, I got a question. Okay, so yeah. if these two teams fought, who would win? Because that'll give one extra point in my mind. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think um, it's all different. X Factor, X Men, for sure. I think X Factor, don't you think X Factor is uh, like. But there's petty like and 30 characters in X Factor, including Pip the Troll. Like, there's like so many <laughs> characters. Um, but I mean, Storm could basically annihilate them all. So it's tough. I don't know. But these are also these are also '80s X-Men when their powers were far weaker. Oh, they kept yeah, writing them screaming. to be omnipresent gods, and they're all super in their head, where you can read their dialogue all the time. So technically, all Storm could do probably at that point is just shoot some gusts of wind and lightning, versus you know controlling literally the she globe. Can also, scream by the winds <laughs> of power or whatever the fuck she says. She learns she has the power over snow globes later. <laughs> Um, so we judge a lot of series so far based off of their best moments or characters. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the worst ones. How do you think All New All Different versus X Factor handles the lulls in their stories? You know, like wh what do they do when there are long stretches between major plot points? Uh, I mean, a dialogue heavy issue in all new feels like you're going to kill yourself because it's, it's just outdated dialogue that no one speaks like that anymore. The ideals are probably not there anymore. So th that's just looking at an eighties comic compared to like a current thing. Like dialogue is not going to be there whatsoever in terms of lulls, like they, they do have fun in their off time. It does feel like a family, probably one of the most times uh, comparatively than like all the other weird times in like sort of the Marvel universe time. But I, it, it's boring. It's boring sometimes. And yeah. I never feel that from X Factor. One suffers from boring for too much learning about what someone's th thinking and the other yeah. suffers from because no one is saying enough words. Like, I do like uh, some of the, uh, I try to pick some stray X Factor issues. And to me, it seemed like they were trying to have these really nice two to three person interactions and yeah. build a relationship, but it didn't do a very good job. It, did, it didn't do a very good job of giving you enough, like you might need in an episode of a TV show to feel like things are moving forward. In X Factor, you mean? Yeah. Okay, when you have I mean, I, I feel like all new, all different reads more of like a movie, like a grand scheme of like huge events that are happening. And X Factor reads like a fucking TV show where it's like slice of life and also like big things happen, but maybe towards the end of the year, you know what I mean? Like toward like the summertime, like it, just, it feels that way. Yeah. I do think that 
overall the idea of like sort of do you win because you started it or do you win because you perfected it? Did it best, yeah. yeah, like, and I probably not perfected, probably did it best. And especially again, like the best of what X factor means, right? Cause we're also, we've looked at, these are our four uh, brackets and obviously we made them for a reason. I think each of these brackets defined what makes this the best kind of X-Men team for that bracket. And now it's like, what makes the best X-Men team? And I do think that, it, it's always going to be the character heart interactions and just, I don't know, just being a really interesting read. And I do think that X Factor Investigations really stuck out for me what I saw. And it's like, if you always go back to only awarding it to the thing that really started it, then you don't really get to see the evolution of where that material can go. Um, but it's not just that it started it. I mean, Kaylin's right. It it's yeah. good still. Weird stuff that we've already we've already said. Yeah, the original version right. it just doesn't do enough. But this one created extraordinarily complex uh, soap opera type relationships that would keep coming back. They'd be reseated, uh, you know, decades later, and you would have this hugely influential series of choices that everyone has kind of wanted to build off of. So I guess so, a better... So, oh, sorry, go ahead, so let's say a layperson who knew very little about X-Men asked you, name me an, the ideal X-Men team and experience. What would you say? That's really um, probably all new, all different. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. If if they're a cynical um, Gen Zer, I'd be like read X Factor. If they're anything else, <laughs> I'd probably say all new, all different to get like the origins, and then recommends like new X Men, astonishing X Men stuff like after that, leading to X Factor. But like, okay, if someone if someone doesn't know Rick and Morty, and they ask me to recommend an episode of Rick and Morty, I choose one of the better ones rather than one of the earlier harder ones because i know that those ones are still really good but there's such a high level of entry so like with I, with these recommendations i have to know it's a little bit cheating but i would want to know how much comics have they read because yeah. if I'm not used to them i'm going to point them to x factor every time mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that X Factor Investigations has more mainstream digestible appeal. And I, it might be a slight time capsule, um, but, and I think that's the kind of, like, I guess the uh, kind of spinning off that question is like 20 years from now, when we do this again, when we're almost dead or Kaylin is dead and the rest of us are, what? 80? No, no, no. I'm I'm outliving all of you. Well, yeah, you'll by then you'll you'll, you'll afford to the cybernetic implants to to keep your heart pulsating. Yeah, Caitlin will have a new podcast called Homo Superior. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so, the all new, all different Homo Superior. Yeah, Mark is still actor investigations. <laughs> and I guess like maybe that's a it's an interesting point of like if 20 years from now does let's say that Hank Hickman series really continues to go places and really does drive X-Men forward for however long his run is supposed to be or as long as these ideas are supposed to be does that then take over because I think you're exactly right Brent like I, I always think of like all new all different as kind of 
that was just when I was like born and came into comics as like, that's the starting series, but it's not. And obviously like we already identified that original five did not have the lasting power. Do we think that either of these will really have that lasting power or will you move on to something else? Like, could you go I back? Mean, and, yeah. All new, all different has lasting power. It just does. I mean, <laughs> we come back to these stories yeah, so often. I mean, it inspired a, uh, a fan favorite show that was on, and it's been syndicated and it has comics, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's just to name right. one. Uh, it's, I mean, from an inspiration standpoint and from a historic standpoint, it just, and maybe that's maybe where my head's going. Um, I just think all new, all different just makes the bigger impact. Well, and flipping that question from negative to positive, or positive to negative, do you think it, do you think it's stymieing creativity because people keep going back to that treasure trove? I, that's actually a very fair point. Um, I think um, the best writers in the X-Men after Claremont uh, recognized that this was the foundation, but then they try to move past it. Yeah. Uh, the worst ones keep going back to like, well, let's do this again. And yeah. let's, you know, you know, blah, blah, we blah. You see this a little bit with New Mutants when they like try to reform the old team to try to recapture some of that magic. It's just rehashing things. Like if you use one of these characters that in an elevated series where it's like they actually have grown as maybe a leader or something like that, you use Storm, you use Colossus, like whatever it may be, that makes a much better story than just going back to the old fucking thing over and over again. Like, part of me only wants X-Factor investigations to, not, not that we have any deciding factor on where Marvel takes the series, but I just think if there's a continued sort of nostalgia or reflection on what is still a obviously high quality series is like, we'll never get past some of the traps we found in even the young group, which is like, no matter how many fucking new mutants you throw at the problem, everyone just sticks to the same old cast. And it's like, X Factor obviously is the investigations like it's a lot of older players, but I think they ha they haven't had sort of the time, attention, and spotlight. And it's to me, it does represent a good like almost kind of what uh, the MCU did for many of Marvel's other heroes of like these were lesser known people. Here's some really great things you can do with them. Um, let's give anal a shot. Let's you know let's <laughs> let's the best mean, series we've ever seen. Uh, Adam, that's a good point because. When I talk to, like, let's just say my dad about the MCU, he's like, God damn it, I love those Guardians of the Galaxy. So, like, those are the ones he knows every one of their goddamn names. But if I bring up, like, Hawkeye, he's like, which one is that? Like, right, no idea. Arguably way hey, more popular, way hey, more well-known. Right, if you ask Thor about Hawkeye, he would have the same you response. Go, which one? Yeah. <laughs> which one is that? <laughs> Um, ninja? I, I want to say one thing before we go to events. Um, to me, I feel like part of the divide and the difficulty here is that X Factor Investigations is a little bit treated like ecstatics. That it kind of feels like there's a certain sense in which it's a graphic novel written about people with superpowers who are only tangentially related to the X-Men and they aren't the main X team. Yeah. That might create some bias in us, but I do want to go ahead and throw it to a vote unless anyone has anything they want to say remaining. Really? All right.
All oh, in favor. All new, all different X-Men winning the championship. Put your thumb up. Wow. Of three to two, all new, all different wins. Congratulations, all new, all different. And congratulations to the top three contenders who all picked all new, all different as being the last competitor. Evan Cooper and Mike Moon, congratulations. You guys win a $25 gift card for Amazon. And of course, best man, Brett Man, uh, wins the grand prize of a $50 gift card to Amazon. You'll be able to buy all the Christmas lights. All the, uh, what else do people buy on Amazon, Ryan? Uh, um, uh, X-Men comics. X-Men comics. X-Men comics, you idiots. All right. Play episode one at the end where they are celebrating music. Yes, they're, we're holding up a giant ball, and it's got an, an Amazon card in it. <laughs> Perfect. It um, looks great. Brent, you're really going to enjoy that gift card. Yeah, congrats to uh, Brett. Congrats to, or thanks for everybody for playing. I mean, hopefully yeah. they continued listening after they submitted. <laughs> but uh, this has been a great experience. Yeah. yeah hey, by the way, Adam. The last couple months. Uh, Andrew has not, it did not end up in last place. Nice. <laughs> for him, I knew it. I knew he'd come out. Uh, 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 looks like someone's getting sex tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's getting anal. Hey, yeah, we're going to have our own anal X-Men series tonight. Guess mm -hmm. who's featuring in our bed tonight? It's anal. <laughs> Just be careful it's not a rock uh, slide. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Do you want to get brewed? Oh, no. Looking no. well, to get brewed is how everyone should write on their grinder profiles. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. All right. Uh,. We yeah. Homo Superior. Find us on Twitter uh, at Homo Superior X. Find us on uh, Instagram, Homo Superior Podcast. Uh, listen to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.